coming. Here we go again. Up early, feed the dog, out the door, traffic, at the office, boss in some kind of mood today, no time for lunch, annoying co-worker, no time to relax, bedtime. Then we gotta do it all again? Uh, no way. Because the best way to break up the mundane every day is to play. At Wild Rose Casino and Resort, slots, tables, sports, and a whole lot of perks when you join and play with your club wild card. So, let's play. Wild Rose Casino and Resort, Clinton. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Hey there, and welcome to the Hawk Fanatic Mailbag Podcast. I am your host, Rob Howe. We're recording on Thursday, May the 5th at noon. Uh, we're in the upside down this week. Uh, Scott Dockerman, my co-host with the Hawkeye Hotspot Podcast, um, had to go to Arizona for business this week, so we moved our normal Thursday podcast to Tuesday, and normally we have this mailbag podcast on Tuesdays. It's on Thursday this week. Uh, we'll flip back most likely next week to mailbag on Tuesday and hotspot on Thursday, but that is where we're at now. Thank you for finding us. Thank you for listening to all the podcasts on the Hawk Fanatic feed. Uh, Monday through Friday, we'll bring you a new, uh, at least one new uh, Hawkeye-centric podcast. Thank you to our sponsors, Systems Unlimited, Edward Jones, and Wild Rose Casino. Appreciate their support. Um, and uh, if you have uh, had not uh, have, have not checked out those businesses, please do. Um, us being able to bring you these podcasts for free, uh, that's because of the sponsorship uh, of those entities and we appreciate you patronizing them if uh, patron patronizing them, patronizing them shopping there doing business with those folks um is what i'm trying to say anyway let's hop into questions here i'm not sure if this meeting is going to give me a 40 minute limit like it did with scott and i the other day i don't know what was going on with that i had a uh, 40 minute um limit on uh the Zooms last week, but uh, uh, earlier this week, I should say. Anyway, let's hop in. DC Hawk at DC underscore Hawk 6. Uh, asked this on April 29th. Again, PSA. Any questions between the time you're hearing this podcast, comments between the time you're hearing this podcast and the next one? Uh, hashtag HF Mail on Twitter. I will find it. Uh, if I have not addressed it in the previous podcast, I will address it in the current podcast. Um, and that's how we roll. 
DC Hawk at DC underscore Hawk six. I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but Lucas Van Ness looks like he has a similar build to Aiden Hutchinson. What's his ceiling? Could he be a first round guy in two years? This one's going to be interesting. And uh, I wrote a story looking ahead to the 2023 NFL draft. uh, And his name is on the radar already um, as a part-time player last year. along with Joe Evans, led the Hawkeyes with seven sacks. Uh, I think that number could go up this year, actually for both guys, potentially. But we'll see what the playing time breakdown is like with Van Ness kicking outside from playing defensive tackle uh, last year. It will be interesting to see kind of what his – it's hard to say what his ceiling is until we see him on the outside. He looked good in the open practice. Um, But somebody – it was – Somebody had him really high, uh, you know, projecting ahead. And some of those projections you kind of dismiss. Yeah, yeah, people are looking at, um, you know, raw skills, potential, things like that. But I think people were poo-pooing that Keegan Murray could be a first-round draft pick when it was popping up last year um, during the season and then after the season just based on him not being a starter. Um, but Van Ness has that potential. I think he could probably come out next year uh, and have a chance uh, to test well enough to uh, put himself in draftable, a draftable situation. Um, it'll be interesting to see kind of how he does this year and where he is on, on uh, the boards of, of NFL teams. And can he move up? Would it benefit him to come back another year? Could he raise his stock even more? Um, We'll have to see. It's uh, it's hard to tell, um, but he is a physical specimen and somebody who looks just natural. Um, played a lot of hockey in high school. Um, didn't have as much. Didn't spend as much time uh, on football. Emerged later in his high school career as a football player. Became a D one recruit. Thought he may play hockey in college, um, but really, really another cool story coming out of Iowa in terms of uh, identifying and developing talent. So be interesting to see where Lucas Van Ness ends up this season. A lot of talent around him on the defensive line. So even if he plays well, which, which you would expect him to do, it's going to be hard for teams to just focus in on him, double chip, whatever, um, with, with talent elsewhere on the line. So interested to see. Really interested to see what type of season he can have. And a uh, good kid, did a podcast with him before uh, he committed. Um, talked a lot about his hockey career and kind of how that, uh, you know, the, the conditioning you need for hockey. And if you look at him, he is a workout warrior for football. Um, and, and the hockey, it's tough to put on a lot of mass just because of the amount of cardio you're doing. Um, but since he's gotten to focus specifically on football, you can see his body filling out into a football physique. And it's, uh, it's, uh, it looks good. It's going to be uh, interesting, as I said, to see how he emerges. But he is an NFL draft prospect now. Uh, and we're just going to have to see where the ceiling goes from there. In Hutchinson is a high, high ceiling in comparison for him. Uh, number two in the, uh, in the draft. So we'll have to see kind of if, Lucas can, we talked about his kind of his raw football ability because of not spending as much time on that sport when he was in high school. Now that he's developing, uh, you know, technique, uh, 
pass rush moves, uh, what have you. I think it's interesting to see where he goes from here. So definitely a good question. DC Hawk at DC underscore Hawk six with another question. Uh, this one from May the third earlier this week. How do you think Kirk will handle the pay to play world? Does he let someone else on the staff handle it? Does he retire early? I just don't see him wanting to get involved in this, which I think will be detrimental to Iowa football. Maybe he'll be, maybe he'll prove me wrong. He's shown the ability to adapt to date. But this will take him adapting more than anything else in his career because this is basically the charade of amateurism that we've tried to label college football as uh, in the last 10 to 20 years. And we know it's not. It's a hybrid of amateurism because college is involved and scholarships and education, uh, but it's professional in every other aspect of football, money coming in, media rights deals, all of those things. Um, commissioners, all it's just, it is a, it is pro sports just on a really large scale. It'd be like, you know, if a, a professional sports team or professional sports league had teams and programs in almost every city in the country that's a little bit of an exaggeration but however many um division one power five and division one football programs there are i'm interested to see how he adapts i'm not sure um we'll kind of have to see here how this plays out um i think we saw with recent basketball transfers in the portal that i was interested iowa was interested in that um NIL could have played a role there in those guys choosing other schools. Um, we talked about Theo Akwuba and uh, Fardaz Amak. They both chose different schools and had Iowa in their fi- among their finalists. Uh, Kyler Casper, uh, a, a um, legacy recruit, wide receiver out of Arizona, uh, Kevin Casper's son. Uh, I think NIL money was involved there at Oregon. Um, it's going to be interesting to see here. A couple of guys that, um, you know, Chris Murray is, in the, is, is uh, going through the draft process right now. Could Iowa be able to influence him with money next year to come back to school and make him taking a chance on – because being a first-round pick, he's probably not going to move into the first round with his pre-draft performance um, potential to move into the second round, maybe signed a two-way contract. Those don't pay a ton. I think Iowa could compete with that and have him back, and that helps your basketball program from, from the collective standpoint. That's an interesting case. Caden Proctor, five-star offensive lineman from Southeast Polk, is now – Deciding on a college, Iowa's amongst his finalists. Iowa has, has thought to be his, it, it is thought to be his favorite or among his favorites now throughout this process. Uh, he looks up to Tristan Wirfs, uh, grew up in his backyard, one of his best friends, David Longpa, is a freshman here this year. Um, but everybody in the country wants him. Iowa does not have a collective right Does USC. Alabama or Texas or Oklahoma or whoever, Georgia, LSU, whoever has have collectives going right now, 
Um, can they, for lack of a better term, influence Caden Proctor to go to, you know, come join them? Um, nothing is guaranteed. And the days of, um, you know, people, you know, banging their fist on the table and saying, you know, cost of attendance, scholarship money, that should be enough for these guys. It's just not the case anymore. It's over. All of that is over. So you either play the game or you don't. And if you don't play the game, you run the risk. And I will still be able to find the Lucas Van Nesses of the world and guys who are under the ring uh, and develop them. But you still need blue chip guys. Um, you know, Tyler Linderbaum was a, 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 a USA Bowl, whatever that thing is in San Antonio now. It used to be the U.S. Army Bowl but I don't think Army sponsors it anymore, but the All-American Bowl, I think it's called, in San Antonio that's played in the beginning of January. Tyler Lindebaum was there. Tristan Wurfs was there. Logan Jones was there. Um, you know, going back, you, there were um, guys throughout the years. Uh, A.J. Derby was in that game. and uh, I'm trying to think of some other guys. T.J. Fedorowicz was in that game. Um, CJ Fedorovic, excuse me. Um, trying to think of other guys that have been there through there recently, but it's not like Iowa's not getting Justin Jacobs may have been in that game too. But Iowa people have this misconception that Iowa just has two and three star recruits. Iowa has four star recruits. I think Aaron Graves may have just played in that game, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, Iowa has, and then in addition to that, can you keep guys? You know, if a guy emerges, isn't happy with playing time, what have you, if another school comes along or another fan base comes along and says, hey, you know, maybe you want to give us a look. We got this on the table for you. This is completely changed. And I know a couple of the commissioners are going to Congress and trying to meet with politicians to figure out. But and Scott and I have talked about this on the Hotspot podcast. The NCAA screwed this up royally. They were naive and, you know, self-centered enough to think that this wasn't going to come about and that all this money, the athletes weren't going to get their share. Yeah, I mean, the rule itself is name, image, and likeness, but people were naive to think that it was just going to stop at that. When you don't have any rules, when there's this much money involved, these entities are going to look for every angle to win and make more money. And that's what's happening right now. How Kirk and Fran, both guys in their 60s, both guys that have not had to um, manage this before, I think it's difficult. And hopefully they get the help that they need from the alumni and the university and the donors to make this work for Iowa in any way possible. Iowa still is behind. It needs to get a collective together. Um, I know it's being worked on, but time is ticking. And would Kyler Casper have come here? I don't know. I, I don't know that. Um, you look at Iowa's offense for receivers, uh, you could say that that obviously was a factor in it. Uh, but you lose a guy like Caden Proctor to Alabama, and he says the reason he's choosing is um, – or one of the main reasons he's choosing is because of a collective. Then you start to get people's attention. And that's not far-fetched. That's reality. So, 
Good question, DC. In answer to your direct question, I don't know how they can handle it, but it needs to be figured out. Uh, Randy Engel, also on May 3rd, is it concerning that Iowa is taking so much time to announce a collective? All they say is they're working on something. Seems like they're moving at a snail's pace. And this kind of piggybacks off of DC. Good question, Randy. Um, it is taking too much time. Other schools are pulling this together. Iowa State announced a collective. It's still being developed, but people know what it is. Iowa, you have no idea what they're doing. And maybe by the time you listen to this podcast, it's come out. But it's been weeks now since Iowa State came out. So I'm not sure. Iowa has, has had this kind of dance to its own drummer, uh, go at its own pace, um, sometimes elitist attitude when it comes to its athletic department. You can't just expect things. This is, a, this is a really different than anything else. This is very impactful, and it needs to be addressed. Um, I, think, I think Iowa is taking too much time to announce the collective, at least announce something. I will say the person that they originally tasked with doing this, the collective had leading it, decided it wasn't for him. So now they have somebody else doing it. That could have slowed things down. Um, and I'm not at liberty to name names, but um, that could have been a possibility. But whatever it takes, you have to be in the game. And I was not in the game right now. So it is moving at a snail's pace comparatively to when you compare it to other schools around the country. Iowa needs a collective. And Iowa needs to say what its collective um, – vision is, what it's for, what it can do, all of those things are important. Recruiting does not sleep. And it's not sleeping right now. And Iowa needs to get on board with whatever is going on right now. So that's kind of uh, another NIL question here. Dean Freen at Freen Dean uh, on Twitter, also on May 3rd, asked, is NIL the reason Iowa lost both big men? Where does Iowa go from here? Some guys in the portal that uh, Iowa is looking at, and it's fluid. I mean, we're seeing, you know, Fardaw's AMAC, we kind of heard about, and that took a little bit longer. But Theo Akwuba, he visited and then decided, like, within a week. So those are things that are going to come at us pretty hard um, and pretty quick. So keep an eye on uh, names in that regard, Dean. Um, I, I said this before. Uh, I'm not really sure. Um, Kind of, uh, I haven't heard um, documented. I ha- it, I haven't seen it documented that either Fardaz or Theo, Amac, Akwuba, that nil money was involved. In. I think it'd be naive of us to think that it wasn't a factor in some, but I can't say that that was the reason. But I would think it probably played a role, but again, I don't know because I've not seen it documented. Uh, Another name that I'll throw out there to keep an eye on is Winthrop's DJ Burns and St. Bonaventure's Osun Osunini. Osunini. I'm not sure how you say that last name. These names are all difficult. I like DJ Burns because his name's a little different. But uh, Winthrop and St. Bonnie, a couple guys. that they're looking at uh, as well. Um, 
So, you know, you're talking mid-major, low-major low guys that uh, are looking to upgrade, and that's probably where Iowa's going to end up going here. But those are, uh, those are a couple names. Winthrop, DJ Burns, St. Bonnie's, Osun, Osani. <laughs> I'll look it up. Next podcast, I'll have that pronounced correctly. I don't have it now, so I apologize for that. But a couple of names there. Thanks for the question, Dean. Uh, we move along here. Uh, hyperbolic Hawkeye uh, from 16 hours ago with a couple here. Um, he has like three. So um, what likely happens first? Iowa offers 500000 to an instant impact player through NIL, pay for play, or Iowa makes the Sweet 16, or maybe those two things are tied together. Do you see any Iowa football or basketball being able to land four and five-star guys moving forward with a out a competitive incentive NIL collective feels like you can't be a competitive approach and needs to be aggressive and Iowa needs to be willing to spend on impact guys. And this kind of picks, piggybacks the earlier discussion here because the discussion on this is picking up because I think not that you guys are everyday common fans, but I think it's more in mainstream now what's happening uh, and it's picking up at a rapid pace um, that this NIL pay for play, however you want to put it, is uh impact but uh 500,000 seems like a lot i don't know if that is that overall like an overall package um i think you could do something i think my personal opinion i think you i think this should be a per year deal um and maybe that's not enough, but however you figure out the money, it's kind of like major league baseball contracts. You front load them or put a crap load in there or stretch the length out to 10 years. And you're paying Bobby Bonilla 20 years after he retires, whatever the case may be, whatever the number is, is where Iowa needs to be for the players. It sees itself wanting or needing um, and whatever that is. Uh, particularly in state kids. I think that's where the money's going to be the most interesting. Can you get an in-state kid maybe cheaper than an out-of-state kid because, you know, the kid wants to stay home, so maybe he gives you the home state discount, so to speak. It's more and more sounds like professional sports. Um, the Sweet 16 thing, man, this, that happened like when I first started covering Iowa Athletics a quarter of a century ago. So I'll say the money part before the Sweet 16, uh, just because – and you make a good point. Maybe they are – maybe you pay for the right basketball player that can impact. And I think basketball, you can find an instant impact more than you can football. Um, there, there are really good true freshman football players, but basketball, you can have a superstar – freshman come in and change your program and then he's gone over here. So I think that money itself is going to be high. You're going to have to pay front end for basketball players. Football, you may be able to work something out where, hey, you know, each year you stay, this money gets increased. Um, I'm interested to see how this works contractually um, with these collectives. Um, if, if it's all up front, if you can make it a year-to-year thing, um, you know, all of those are, are, all come all come into play. Um, but it's an int- it is just so fascinating to see this happening right now. I'm not a fan of the way this is going down, uh, but 
and this, I, I'm not, I'm certainly not alone here. I think you would have been naive not to see this coming. Uh, when, when, uh, when Congress got involved in this, the Supreme Court got involved in this, um, you know, the NCAA and its member schools have nobody to blame but themselves. They could have regulated this if they would have just acknowledged that they needed to share the money with the students. They, they hid behind this facade that it was amateur athletics. It hasn't been amateur athletics in forever. And they are fortunate that they got to keep as much money as they did for as long as they did. They should have seen the writing on the wall. And now that it's not there, you've got a couple of conference commissioners going with their tails between their legs back to Congress trying to work something out because they can't figure it out themselves or they know that they're legally, they're in trouble. They have no control over this and it's, it, it's a runaway train. So um, I still think Iowa can, can um, land four and five star guys at Iowa Hawkeye. Um, if how it works out, I don't know. Um, maybe it's not the same four and five star guys you used to get. Um, but again, Tyler Lindenbaum was a four-star on some site. So it's all relative, right? It's a matter of who you like. Caden Proctor, to me, is the example right now. Is, it, is NIL an, 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 you know, a factor for him? You would think it is, as, as, as highly rated as he is and highly regarded as he is. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how that comes out and shakes out with him. Um, but those are the types of cases you see. I still think Iowa's going to be able to do a lot of what it's done before. But the higher end guys, you're right. It's going to be a little bit more of a puzzle, a little bit more of a process to be able to make sure this works out. And you have to decide. I mean, if you're like, it, it's interesting. You're only going to have so much money to go around. If you make a bad choice, if you, if you invested in the wrong kid, a kid who doesn't come here and work hard or, doesn't, or, or bails on you and that money's gone, then what do you do? You know, um, it's like, you know, I'm a fan of the New York Jets. They've sucked forever. They're paying guys. They're just not paying the right guys. They're not drafting the right guys. You're, there's a little bit more um, urgency. There's a little bit more weighing on your player personnel decisions with a collective. If you're investing in the wrong guys, then you're, you know, Illinois football. <laughs> Again, you know, your uh, Maryland football, your whoever is struggling right now, your Kansas football. Um, you know, I, I, I don't see it getting to that point, but it's possible. And you better be aware of what's going on. You better play the game. Drake Timbers at Drake Timbers. Likeliest ways Iowa football leaves NCAA. Is Iowa included in an NFL-like college football league? I think so, Drake. And these are all, again, tying into the NIL question. Um, you know, at some point, does, does it just become professional? You know, does it just become, all right, these kids are going to go to school, but as separate as the uh, athletic department is, like particularly at the University of Iowa, where it's self-sustaining and it's, it's run on donor donations and, and uh its own revenues generated away from the university. Um, 
that will have to be worked out how it's how it stays connected to the college because it just that's got to be the connection otherwise you're just you're you're the cedar rapids colonels or no and that's no offense to the colonels or uh the river bandits or anybody else but you're a minor league they're genius you still need that backing of major colleges and universities in this country, the alumni, to have ownership of it. So how does that work out? Um, and then what do you do, you know, to basically, I think you have to supplement the scholarships in, in, a, in the best case scenario, supplement the scholarships with money and it's contracts and you're paying players, student athletes for whatever you can negotiate, whatever they can negotiate with you, whatever you can negotiate with them becomes part of the scholarship. That's kind of what I see things headed, but who knows? I mean, it's, it's really complicated right now because it's so, um, there's just without any regulation, there's, it's, it's just, it is the wild west and it's just, out of control and how do you rein this in now um how do you recall what you're already allowing now um i think it can be done but the longer you wait the harder it's going to get the worse it's going to get um the more uh it's going to be every school for itself every football program for itself every basketball program for itself um i don't know do athletic departments go by the wayside? I mean, does football say, hey, we'd love to keep supporting field hockey and soccer and volleyball, but we need the money to get our athletes to make money for the TV contracts to make money for the schools. It's, it's really complicated and fascinating. It's going to be interesting to see where this is headed. The one good thing for me is I will be 55 next month and I'm, hopefully towards the back end of my career instead of the front end of my career. And hopefully I can sit back and watch this instead of being involved in it <laughs> because uh, it's going to be completely different than what I grew up with. And let me be on record as saying that student athletes, athletes, whatever you want to call them. Uh, I know people are pissed off at this, that it's changing the college landscape that they knew college athletic landscape that they knew. Again, I blame the NCAA and the number of institutions. This could have been a, a transition uh, with regulations, with a plan that benefits everybody. Now you just got chaos and there's nobody to blame, but the universities, the NCAA, the member institutions, the athletic directors, the coaches that are making a ton of money, all those people, nobody said, hey, we got to address this. They just let it go. And now it took a big dump and everybody's got to figure it out. And we'll see where it goes from here. But the student athletes, without question, deserve a bigger piece of this pie. Definitely. They don't benefit from you having a nice, they do benefit from you having a nice facility. But facilities can only get so nice and so state-of-the-art. There's so much more money there. The college, I mean, Kirk Ferentz is making $7 million a year. I think something like that. He was making four or five. He got a raise. I mean, you're going to tell me that, you know, um, Jack Campbell doesn't deserve some money or, you know, Tyler Linderbaum didn't deserve some of the money, some of that money. Come on. That's not right. 
Nowhere else in this country is that right. So college sports needs to figure it out. Do you think fan criticism will become more amplified if that, oh, I'm sorry, hyperbolic Hawkeye at Iowa Hawkeye um, with his third and final question. Do you think fan criticism will become more amplified and validated with the NIL incentives some players receive and they don't perform as they are viewed to be? Thinking of how polarizing Peters is already now, vision that for a player in a 500,000 and on. You like that 500K now? <laughs> uh, do you have a, stu- uh, a prospect at home you're trying to get that half mil for? Um, I can't. Um, yeah, I think that's that comes with the territory. If you're making money, if it's public how much you're making, if you're making a half a million dollars, the criticism is going to be uh, heightened uh, at a higher volume. And uh, I, I would say... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? More justified, so to speak, because you're being paid. It's a job. The one thing for me is through the years, as somebody who's done this now for a quarter of a century, I've not avoided criticizing student athletes, but I measured in how I do. And I don't harp on. And I don't go overboard with it. Um, hopefully, I don't go overboard with anything. But I'm much more apt to criticize coaches making, you know, even assistant coaches making a million dollars a year now. Uh, other assistants making five, six hundred thousand, uh, whatever the case may be. Those people are fair game to me. Plus, they're adults. So now I have to weigh um, an 18, 19, 20 year old kid. Yeah, he's making money, but how much? What's fair game criticism? I think it's still, and it's always been fair game to criticize um, performance. I, I, I still shy away from effort, trying to gauge whether somebody's working hard enough, because that's not my place to do. Um, you know, that's for the coaches to do, um, and they, they, they should measure effort. Um, but I know most of these kids work their asses off and they want to do best. They want to win. Um, but yeah, I think it does open the door for more criticism for them. Um, but with social media now and all these avenues to be able to get at student athletes, um, I'm not sure how much more it can get. Like for somebody for Peaches, how much worse can it get for him? It's bad now and he's not making anything. I guess he makes some from the Stellas. But for the most part, he's not getting paid, and he's still getting raked over the coals. I think people will be will, – people will invoke the money more now and say, hey, so-and-so is making this much, bomb, whatever. It'll be included in the criticism. But I still think these guys get criticism, criticized a ton now with social media. And there are a lot of people that don't hold back, regardless of them being unpaid or uncompensated beyond um, cost of attendance, scholarship, what have you. So um, maybe it increases some, but I think a lot of guys are in the crosshairs already uh, with the avenues that they can be reached. Um, sit down at Love the Hawks on Twitter. If you have to pick four current Iowa media members to take with you to play in a pickup game, 
against the current Iowa B-ball roster, who will you take? Also one, also one who has to be your coach. Um, I'm going to go with John Bonencamp as the coach. Um, John uh, loves the game, uh, is knowledgeable about the game, um, and he's vertically challenged, as Reese Morgan would say. So I'm not sure he would be able to help us on the court. For me, we're going to get our ass kicked no matter who I pick. So I'm going to pick guys that I would have fun with, guys that I like on the beat. Scott would have to be there and Pat Hardy. Those are co-workers of mine, so I would pick them. Um, so Scott Dockman and, and Pat Hardy. Um, I would pick Tom Caker because he's old as I am. Uh, and I'd probably pick Todd Bromelkin. I'd pick Those are the four guys that I've known for a long time and are probably the closest with on the beat. So I would pick them so I could laugh. If I had reserves, I'd throw Steve Batterson in there, uh, Chad Leistico in there. Um, those would be those would be my sixth and seventh men just to have on there because I know those guys. Who am I missing? Am I missing anybody? I'm going to feel bad if I'm missing anybody. Um, but those would be my um, those would be my five, six, seven. <laughs> it's a good question. It would not be pretty. I played. Uh, I, I've been playing my 11 year old. Uh, who started to play club basketball, playing her uh, in the driveway in 1v1. And I'm so out of shape. I'm so out of breath when I play her. Um, I basically just take my fat ass down into the post and shoot layups against her. It's the only way I can compete with her. She's hitting jump shots and dribbling around the top, and I can't keep up with her uh, 11-year-old. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at in that, that uh, <laughs> in the stage of my life. Um uh, let me, uh, let's see here. I need to kind of, I need to find, because uh, people don't use the hashtag, please use the hashtag, folks. Folks, uh, It is hashtag HFML. I'm going to try to find um, questions that didn't use. There are a few folks here who did not use it, including Pat Hardy. Um, I'm kicking, off, kick, kicking him off the basketball team because he won't use the hashtag. Judas Priest, Dolly Parton, Lionel Richie, and Pat Benatar are all being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I didn't know all four of those were going. I thought Dolly Parton um, deferred. But, but Little Feet and Warren Zevon aren't your thoughts. And do you think Iowa gets a post player in the portal? I've talked about Warren Zevon and Little Feet, both um, worthy of, of uh, induction into the hall. Um, I don't know enough about Judas Priest. I guess you have to have heavy metal in there for the influence on uh, music. Uh, Lionel Richie seems like a no-brainer to me. Um, and I think they take liberties with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's like, it's not if you were rock, uh, a rock and roll artist, if you fit into that genre. It's more if you influenced rock and roll. Um, and I think John Coltrane may be in there. Um, Miles Davis because their music influenced rock and roll. And I think that's fair. Um, so that, in that regard, I can see how all four of those are in there. Again, I'm probably least familiar with Judas Priest out of those four. Uh, Pat Benatar, when we were young, was kind of just um, shoved down our throat. Big fan of the Commodores. Not as much Lionel Richie solo stuff, uh, but I get it. Um, Zevon should be in. He's my number one. That isn't in. That should be in. Uh, Little Feet is certainly on the list. Um, and I do think Iowa gets a post player in the court. 
um, uh, they need one. I don't think you can go into the season with the same three that you had last year, minus Keegan Murray and potentially Chris Murray. Um, you got to, you know, you've got to account for potential injuries. Joshua Gundelay, love the kid. He hasn't shown he's going to get himself in shape to be able to live any significant minutes. Hopefully that changes this offseason. He got himself in really good shape last offseason, then let himself go as the season went on. Tough during the season. Uh, you got a lot of hours. Uh, you're traveling a lot. It's harder to stay in shape. Sometimes even during the season, uh, you can get in a bad habits with diet, things like that. Uh, hopefully, Riley Mulvey takes a step forward, but if there's an injury, Iowa's got to get a big guy out of the portal. Um, it, it's obviously they're moving down the board now, but Iowa and Fran have shown an ability, the Murray's being a great example, of being able to go down the board a little bit and still be able to, um, to get productive players. And I think Iowa's in that position. I trust the evaluation of Fran McCaffrey and his staff and the ability to develop. So I do, I think they're going to find someone. Um, we'll see who it is. We'll see how much he contributes, but I do feel like they're going to get somebody in there. Maybe it is DJ Burns. Uh, I think that would be a good fit. He's a good two-way player. I think that would help them kind of mix him with LaBracha, Ogundale, Mulvey, and you can kind of mix and match on that front court um, and not have to play uh, maybe Patrick at the four or Connor at the four, moving guys out of position. So um, that's my thought there. Um, I think that's all the questions, at least all that I see that I've been able to find with hashtag and without hashtag. I do want to let I do want to let you guys know that support from the for this podcast comes from Systems Unlimited, celebrating 50 years of providing services to people living with disabilities and mental health needs throughout East Central Iowa. A list of their services and upcoming events can be found at sui.org. Check them out, Systems Unlimited, along with Wild Rose Casino and Edward Jones. Appreciate their sponsorship. I appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. Hashtag HF now. Hit me anytime between now and Tuesday, and we'll hit it up on the next podcast. Thanks. Peace.